Welcome to Mindset U Podcast, your source of mindset education. We aim to provide you with free, valuable education for you to thrive. Enjoy. On the second episode in the Change Series, we discuss why taking responsibility is the key to changing your life. One is like, what is the information that you're actually missing? And a lot of people are not curious enough to understand what am I doing wrong? Which then brings me down into like the awareness that you had, like the, the fat rolling over the, the belt, right? Your knees and joints hurting. It's being aware of this uncomfortable stuff, right? That then you get curious about. It's like, what the hell am I doing that is making me feel this way? So then like yesterday we were in the car, right? And we were talking about like, because I too gained weight and I too, I'm like, I think I'm the one that brought it up. I'm like, I think like if I lose 10 pounds, I can jump higher, right? And then you agreed. And then yesterday we were talking about like what's changed in our lives. And we talked about, well, the business changed, the way that we work now has changed. So that has an impact on the timing of when we eat, what we eat, right? The convenience of things, the, the changes in the lives of our partners, right? Or who, who now influence the home and the quality of food and the quantity of food. So it was those awareness with those discomforts that we get curious about. And necessary judge, like there is some judgment to it, yeah. right, obviously. But it's like that judgment doesn't deter us away from trying to uh, find a scientific approach to understand why we got to that point. I would say the judgment doesn't interfere with the responsibility. With the responsibility. Because that, that as you started talking and you like you went over like some of the stuff I said and plus the conversation of yesterday, I think that's a huge part because to, we're talking about creating change. How do we create change, right? Responsibility is such a strong component to that. Why? Because it means that you have to be vulnerable enough to accept where you have control in the situation, right? The flip side of that is that that part that you have control in the situation is where you're empowered, where you can influence. Because what happens to many individuals, our friends, our age, and things like that, is that that responsibility goes to the wayside. Why? Because it's so easy to say, Oh, I'm getting old. Mm. It's my age. Mm -hmm. You know, yeah, that's what happens when you turn 36. And it's like, no, that's, that's external. That's easily, you, you can sweep it under the rug, blame it on all. Oh, this is it. This is, it. I have no control over this, right? It's easy. And, and it places that responsibility elsewhere outside of you that it's like, it's your, but it's also disempowering. You feel that's like that's like playing a basketball game and saying, "Ah, oh, we're down by five at halftime. I guess we lost." <laughs> like when I hear people say that shit mm. of like, "Oh, I'm 35, 36 years old. I, I'm getting old. Like this is it." Like I'm like, like I don't even want to be your friend. <laughs> like I don't, I don't even want to talk to you because <laughs> I'm like that. That type of mindset is not taking responsibility over your life, mm -hmm. and that is that is very like. There's a dangerous way of, to think because what happens when you get to 50 mm -hmm. if you don't change that mindset? I mean, 
the the whole thing is like so i remember being 25 and 35 year olds telling me oh when you get to my age and i'm like oh i hate that because it's like you're leveraging something in an argument that is like uh it's like you don't have access to as a 25 year old you don't have access to 35 year olds so you can't argue with it right unless like this is what i recognize now is unless you have other models other individuals so like we have friends who are 50 year old who are 60 year old and are in amazing shape mm-hmm. right and it's like those are models and then immediately right it's like look at this person hey this person we're talking to a potential client 40 years old and it's like oh when you get to my age everything goes downhill it's like no no look look at this client i have who was 40 years old who's 50 years old and they're like oh you know that's genetics yeah <laughs> I, I don't have those genes i don't have and it's always looking for like how do i take the responsibility off of myself how do i put it externally which goes back to what we were talking about with the motive right there is a clash of internal challenges within yourself because to accept to accept that there's responsibility within yourself that you have the ability to not feel old is to accept that you have been taking actions and making decisions rooted on the idea that you don't have control Mm -hmm. and that's a slap in the face yeah that's like that's admitting you're wrong Mm -hmm. yeah so i think there's a word for that right cognitive dissonance or yes Mm -hmm. right cognitive dissonance when you have to admit that you're wrong Mm-hmm. But then you'll continue to look for evidence that proves your old belief or your old hypothesis mm-hmm. right. So, so you look at your whole group of friends and you're like, oh, see all see of you. See that? Why is it that they're all like, yeah, because you guys have a culture together. You have a culture in the society you live in. And therefore, you share the same mindsets. You share the same routines. You share the same eating formats, dynamics. All of these things are shared. Mm-hmm. It's not necessarily the age. And this is not to say that there isn't a value in terms of understanding the age principle because cells are aging in your body and all these things. Uh, they're, not, uh, they're not regenerating the same way as fast and all of that stuff that exists. But recognizing that you're aging faster, right? You're deteriorating your cells faster because of these decisions, now you can see that you're not aging because time is passing. You're aging because of the decisions you're making, which brings it back to your responsibility. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and like when when we talk about decisions, we're talking about like every little thing. I think people take that uh, they they underestimate the impacts of their everyday decisions, like even the little ones of mm-hmm. like. Those moments that you said that you were going to eat correctly, but you fucked up, Mm -hmm. right? The moments that you said that you were going to take some type of action to build that business, but you didn't, right? And then you kind of just avoid and then you bring up the excuse of, oh, I didn't have time or these convenience. And you kind of just put that to the side. It's It's difficult. It's hard. And it's not to dismiss that reality because it is. If it were easy, then everybody would be in great shape and everybody would would be successful but it's not so then we have to really understand like the avoidance that you have when you decide not to take action on those little decisions that you previously decided to take action with right Mm -hmm. so then i think people 
miscalculate the impact that that has on the speed in which you can change your life. Mm-hmm. Like it's these little tiny decisions that you make. Like for me, it's like uh, if I can eat 95% of the way, right? And I get to 95% and let's say out of 10 meals, right? Or 10 decisions, I'm taking the right action, but I fucked up on one, right? I should feel bad about the one that I fucked up about. Not to the point that it stops me from not trying again, but that feeling bad is like awareness with the idea of how this little decision impacts my life and understanding the excuse that I made, right? Reflect on why I wasn't able to make that decision correctly or what I wanted, but understand the thought process behind all of those things. Mm -hmm. So for example, uh, we're gonna do a a three-day fast tomorrow, Mm -hmm. right? The three-day fast. Why do I believe fasting is a way to understand the thought process and emotion? I'm not fasting because I want to lose the weight. Like, yeah, I'll lose some weight, right? But it's probably going to be mostly inflammation, water. So the moment I start eating again, I'm just going to be right back. It's not going to change anything. But what it does, it gives me insight into my thought process, into my emotions. Because as I start to go more through a fast, I start to understand the dialogue that I'm going to say to myself, the excuses that I'm going to bring up to want to eat, the judgment about not being able to work at my best capacity is all going to come into play when I hit the 24-hour mark, the 36-hour mark, the 48-hour mark, right? And then I'm going to have to deal with those emotions in that moment in time to really understand my thought process. But when I'm done with the 72-hour fast, I will have a clear understanding of my emotions and my thought process to then make better decisions with the food that I decide to eat, mm-hmm. with the actions that I decide to take to build the better version of myself so that I can dunk, right, after the jump program, so that I can lose the 10 pounds, so that I can have more energy to get more work done, right? Like all of those things mm-hmm. is rooted in the discomfort. But not the actual, like, not that you have to, no pain, no gain. The discomfort gives you insight into who you are as an individual. Mm -hmm. Okay, so I want to hit the opposite side of that, right? Because you talk about, we talk about pain-pleasure principle. You're either running away from pain or running towards pleasure, right? So you tend to focus on the pain side, right? Very important to you, and there's a lot of reasons for that. But I think there's also the part of the pleasure side, recognizing the opposing side. Because so when you take someone with a mindset that's already very, you know, self-judgment and so on and so forth, right? They use all that pain to create meaning about themselves. To create meaning of like, you see, this is evidence as why I suck. That's why I'm not good enough. That's why this is not possible for me, right? So on that note, there's also that flip of looking at the pleasure. Looking at the pleasure side of it to, again, because all of this falls under your brain and the perspectives in which you're viewing the world. So when we start looking at uh, an experience, there is a range of perspective. There's a range of pain and there's a range of pleasure. Right. 
and you can toggle that line, right? The thing is the identifying with it, right? About this thing means this about me versus this thing is, it just exists, right? So there's something that's causing me pain, right? The decisions I made for the last month or so are causing me pain right now. If these decisions are quantified as this is who I am, then I'm stuck in that pain and I, I'm going to put myself in perpetual torture because I deserve it because of the decision. It's a punishment for me to sit in that pain. Whereas the part where you're talking about, it's not like sitting in there to use it as, as reasoning to not take action. But when you're stuck there, opening up the line of, Hey, what does pleasure feel like? What are the possibilities of that pleasure? What can happen in this arena when I shift the perspective and look at the whole picture and I start looking at, okay, what are possibilities that are going to exist here in this realm? And you start kind of imagining it to live it, to feel it, to understand it in order to shift out of that perspective of like, I don't deserve it to, oh, this feels good. If this feels good. Maybe I want to go there. Maybe I want to push myself there into that pleasure. I want to, um, I, for example, I uh, talked about my, my knees, my hips getting tight, right? When I'm steadily on a daily basis doing my cars, for instance, when I'm uh, doing my morning lunges, for instance, and my legs just feel powerful. I'm going up the steps and I just feel like I can spring up when I roll out of bed, I sit up and I don't have to do this like achy stretch out of the bed. Like those things that make me feel like, yo, I'm ready to go. I'm a beast. You know, those are encouraging factors that is like, I want to get to that. I want to get to that, which is harder to see. I want to get to that when you're like, Oh, I feel this and this is where I'm at. It's the pain, the pain, the pain. So it's looking at the full spectrum of it from that pain. It's like, this is where I'm at. This is what it could be like that vision for the future, that positive direction, like that is encouraging as well. All right. So I think it's like, it's being able to look at both and also to deal with both because now you get the other side of it, right? People that are only on this side, just dream about this side, dream about this side, and also never pursue it. So I think there's, and, and I think it all depends on who the individual is, who you are as an individual. Mm -hmm. So I see your point in where someone can consist consistently beat themselves up, right? Mm -hmm. Which is just another form of pain, right? But the pain of trying something and failing at them actually creates more fear that it's hard to envision that next step or what it could feel like, or it's very difficult to even understand what that vision looks like. Mm -hmm. So they never take the step. Why? Because they don't know the discomfort of failure, which then brings me back to the point of what does failure feel like, right? We talked about it in the beginning. It's like, what does it actually feel like? And the only way you get to learn that is by actually going through the discomfort. Mm 
-hmm. So you, you get a choice. You get to live with pain that exists within your head, in the mind, or you get to live with the pain that exists within the body. And if you're trying to navigate this external world, meaning you're trying to do something in this world, whether lose weight, have a great relationship, build a business, whatever the hell it is that you want to do. In every endeavor, there is going to be this discomfort and that discomfort has a physiological component to it. And the only way that you're ever going to create change is by understanding that physiological component. The reason for you or for myself even, is like, oh, my knees are hurting, my hips are hurting, I shouldn't be feeling this way, this feels bad, is because we understand the physiological feeling of what it means to feel good. Mm -hmm. We've been there. So for us, it's about if we did it before, we could do it again. Mm -hmm. How about for the person that has never existed, right? Mm -hmm. Or better yet, for the man, because let's talk about men real quick, since sometimes men, like the, the, my friend that I was talking to, right, probably was in shape, was a strong dude at one time before, their awareness with their habits at that time when they were in shape and how they got to that point, were they aware of how they felt physio- physio- physiologically? How do they get back to that point? So like... Yes, I agree. You need to envision the good, right? Like, what does good feel like? Mm-hmm. I think for most people who do not have awareness with their physiological side of their body, it's hard to do that. Especially if in your mind, you're always beating yourself up. You only understand the physiological state of what it means to mentally beat yourself up. So how does the person, right, for the person that can't physiologically feel what good feels like and is afraid to feel bad within the body, I'm talking, how do you get them to envision the good? What does your health, love life, spirituality, career, finances all have in common? Your mindset. Mindset is a source of creating change. To learn how to install these and other life-transforming concepts, browse through our free collection of courses at BeTheProject.com.